Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. It is 531 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren, joined by my co-host for Game Day Sports Beat on Saturdays, Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter. For Blue and Gold Illustrated, you can read all things Fighting Irish right now at blueandgold.com. The stories, the message boards, everything is, well, basically rolling right now at blueandgold.com as we sit right now in an 0-2 hole with this Notre Dame football team following the 26-21 loss to Marshall on Saturday. Well, Tyler, I said this at the start of the show. I'm kind of speechless today because I don't know where to start because there are so many things that have to be fixed with this football team. But I'm going to start on the offensive side of the football. And if Tyler Buckner was healthy this week, and obviously he's not, he's going to need shoulder surgery out for the year, But if Buckner was going to be my guy this week, my first thing to ask you, I think, would have been basically the Irish offense should be centered around Tyler Buckner running the football and throwing the football to Michael Mayer. From there, I'm not sure what the Irish are going to get consistently out of the other players on this offensive team. And now with Drew Pine being the starting quarterback who doesn't have the speed to run like Tyler Buckner, I'm just wondering, as you start to process what this offense looks like with Drew Pine as the starting quarterback, what do you visualize? Well, you got to hope that you visualize something better than what you saw in April in the blue-gold game because that was a mess. And, you know, it was one of those things that you didn't want to harp on too much because you knew then, as as it came to light in August, that Tyler Buckner was going to be the team's starting quarterback. And, you could take a sigh of relief knowing that, you know, Drew Pine, the guy that threw two interceptions in that blue goal game would be the backup. But now that's the guy that you have rolling forward. And, you know, I've actually been a supporter of Drew Pine and I don't think his play in the blue gold game is indicative of the player that he is. I think he was kind of, kind of set up to fail in that game in a way, just with how vanilla everything was. And he was playing both sides of a game that you're not supposed to play both sides in. You're supposed to play like, a couple drives and give it over to, you know, the Steve Angelis of the world, maybe even Ron Palace. But now you've got a guy who has been building three years to come to this moment. You know, he backed up Ian Book. He backed up Jack Cohn. Looked like he was going to back up Tyler Buckner for an entire year. But now this is his time. And I just think he's being thrown into the fire in a way that he kind of was in the blue gold game too, because you've got wide receivers who clearly can't get open. You've got them running route concepts that Tommy Reese probably needs to take a look at and say, hey, how do we make this more out guys? We're not getting our players out in space. And an example, if you go to my Twitter, at TV Orca, I just tweeted in the last 30 or 45 minutes, 
there was a play where Drew Pine was in at quarterback and Notre Dame was down 11 points. This is pre-Michael Mayer touchdown. They're driving toward that. They're at the 14-yard line. It's first and 10. There's one minute and 14 seconds left. None of the players who ran routes, and there were five of them, including Chris Tyree, Michael Mayer, none of the players ran past the sticks. In fact, none of them ran a route longer than seven yards. I don't know what you're thinking if you're Tommy Reese calling that play in that situation, but, I mean, what, what is Drew Pine supposed to do? This was the play where he threw the interception, and luckily there were 12 players on the field for Marshall, and the second INT would be second INT for Pine got wiped off the board. But, I mean, he he was just sitting back there, and he's like, well, I don't know who to, what to do. He just throws it up to Lorenzo Styles, and it gets picked off. So I think we're going to see a little bit of an ugly situation moving forward with Drew Pine if this is what it's going to be because – Yes, the quarterback is your most important player, but of course the 10 guys around you matter a whole lot too. And the offensive line hasn't performed up to standard. And like I said, these guys who Pine is going to be giving the ball off, whether it's the running backs or these wideouts and tight ends, they haven't performed up to standard either. So the short answer to your question is this Notre Dame offense hasn't been good in the first two games, and there's not a whole lot of reason to expect that it's going to be good in game three against Cal with, a backup quarterback coming in to replace the injured starter. We heard tight end Michael Mayer at the podium after the game on Saturday, and he referenced that the offense during fall camp would rip off 15, 20, 25-yard runs. They ran the ball highly efficiently. Now that the lights are on bright and the stats are kept for real, this is a football team that has ran its – 30 times for 76 yards against Ohio State, 27 for 130 against Marshall. That's 3.5 yards per carry. Do you kind of feel like that the offense's success in fall camp maybe had something to do with the possible struggles that we may now know that the Irish defense may have stopping the run this year? Absolutely, and I wrote about that post-game, and you could have Mm-hmm. read about it in Blue and Gold Illustrated, the magazine, and that article also went up online. Uh, you know, that that's just kind of one of those put two and two together type of types of things where, okay, yeah, we look good against this unit, but we don't really know what this unit in reference to the Notre Dame defense is. And against Marshall, you know, that was a data point that shows that maybe the, the front seven especially is going to have some trouble stopping the run this year. And Everyone points to what Notre Dame did defensively against Ohio State. I think it was an awesome game plan. You hold those guys to 21 points. You did your job. But we've got to remember that Meon Williams and Travion Henderson in that game both averaged over six yards a carry or right about six yards a carry. That's really dang good for two guys. And I think the sacks of C.J. Stroud and uh, the QB Neals actually played into the, the end rushing total for Ohio State that you look at and you say, well, that wasn't too bad. No, if you look at Williams and Henderson, those guys ran all over Notre Dame. And then Kalan Laybourne, Marshall, Marshall's running back, former five-star who went to Florida State. You know, things go awry there. He ends up at Marshall, and he runs all over Notre Dame. And when it mattered most, I think that is the most significant thing when you're talking about the Notre Dame rushing defenses. They're giving up these plays when they need to hunker down and they're in tight games. And, you know, it's either going to go one way or the other at that point. And twice now it's gone the other way for Notre Dame and getting back to the Notre Dame rushing attack. Yeah. These guys have not looked good. The first two games, you, you thought you were going to have a three headed monster. That's what I was calling it. I mean, I'll call it like I see it now. I was wrong or I am wrong to this point to say that those guys were going to be 
highly successful in running the football this year. And Audrey Gassamay seems to be running into tacklers at the line of scrimmage. That's not ever going to help. I think Kyron Williams was an awesome tackle breaker. He, he pretty much was the Notre Dame offense for stretches of last season, and now you don't have that guy, and that's really hurt. But it's probably time to get Chris Tyree the ball. Marcus Freeman was asked that again today. There's no excuse for the only junior in that room to be lagging behind in carries. And nine I touches. thought Audric Estime was going – nine touches is just not enough for Chris Tyree. And I thought Audric Estime was going to be a force, but you have eight quarters of, you know, a body of work to show that maybe he needs a little bit of time to get to be that player. You know what Chris Tyree is right now. Get him the ball. It's just another one of those things that people are scratching their head wondering, why isn't this happening? Hmm. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. And I think I'm correct on this based on your question today. It doesn't sound like we're going to see a whole lot of change along the Irish offensive line. It's kind of status quo at this point. Marcus Freeman said he likes the five guys that Notre Dame has run out in the first two games. Obviously, Jarrett Patterson coming back against Marshall. He didn't play against Ohio State, but I – tend to think that Jared Patterson is best suited at center, and I think he is Notre Dame's best center, but Marcus Freeman has trust in Zeke Carell, and I guess Harry Heastan can say the same about Zeke Carell, but at this point, you've got to start thinking, what is going to work? You know, you may think that you have the best five guys out there, and, and that's what is going to help you perform along the offensive line, but at some point, you have to look at what those five are doing and say, is this enough? And I think shuffling could be warranted at that time but at the end of the day I know people don't want to hear this word because they've probably heard it 50 times in the last 48 hours now but it is a little bit about execution and actually performing and going out there and taking care of business on your assignments and we've seen instances where all five of these offensive linemen haven't done that even Blake Fisher you know watching that game back against Marshall he got worked a couple times by a Marshall defensive end and I've got bad news for Blake Fisher, who's got to go up against Clemson here in a couple months. Those guys aren't Marshall defensive ends. So it's just been troubling. There's been instances of individual lapses along the offensive line, and then obviously there's been some collective issues as well. So that said, Marcus Freeman thinks that those are the guys, and he kept on saying, you know, this is something that will happen over time and they'll improve over time. That happened Mm -hmm. last year, but he also uses the word expedite the process. Yes, you need to do that because you don't want to wait until six or seven games, however long it took last year for that group to actually play well. And of course, that kind of coincided with changes in easy, you know, changes and in, in the schedule getting a little easier. You've still got three top 12 teams left on the schedule this year. They're not going to go lightly on that offensive line. Hmm. Boy, okay. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I'm not a play caller. Hey, I pick plays on Madden every once in a while. That's as far as I go. But I watch, I listen, I learn, I talk to people. And I guess I'm having a a tough time picturing Drew Pine running the same running plays that Tyler Buckner did. Now, I'm not assuming everything is going to be similar, but I got the sense today that Marcus felt like that he could still do some of the things that Tyler did. I mean, he can improvise. He can move around. I mean, he had a nice improv play against Cincinnati last year down in the red zone. They got the Irish close to the goal line and some positive yardage. 
I mean, Buckner was special running the football. I mean, Pine's more of that pocket guy. I just don't know how the running game is going to get better without Tyler Buckner not being in the game for the Irish football team. Do you feel the same way? Am I missing something? Absolutely feel the same way. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty sure Tyler Buckner leads this team in rushing. And he didn't even have that big of a game against Ohio State, if you remember. I think it was 11 carries for 18 yards. He's got somewhere around 60 yards for the season, and he leads Notre Dame in carries. And that is with the design of opening things up for those other three running backs that I mentioned earlier. When Tyler Buckner has that element of, all right, here it is. The quarterback is doing a little zone read here. He could easily keep this or he could give it off. That confuses the defense. That keeps the defense honest. I don't think you get that in the same way with Drew Pine because people know what Drew Pine is. He's 5'11 and a half with a bump on his head. He's not even 200 pounds, and he's not nearly as fast as Tyler Buckner. So that takes away from the Notre Dame rushing game. And I was a little confused, I'm not going to lie, when Marcus Freeman said that he doesn't see the offense changing that much with Drew Pine in because – I'll take you back to mid-August at the end of the quarterback competition when I asked Tommy Reese how difficult it was to manage a quarterback competition with two completely different styles of players competing for that job. And he said, yeah, you know, we had one offense when Tyler Buckner was in and we had another offense when Drew Pine was in. But you have to holistically look at that and say, okay, which offense is performing better? And obviously it was the one with Buckner. He won the job. So I'm just not sure if Marcus Freeman has a total grasp of what this means. I mean, it's only been 36 hours since he learned that, or coming up on 48 hours, I guess now, since he learned that Tyler Buckner was not going to play another down this year. It's kind of hard to process that because this is a guy you thought was going to carry you through 12 games in a bowl game, but now he's not there. And from the outside looking in, you would have to think the offense changes tremendously without Tyler Buckner because that's the reason Tyler Buckner won the job. He is an athlete that Drew Pine is not. He can do things that Drew Pine can't. And now you're sitting here saying, well, the offense isn't going to change that much. I find that hard to believe. Hillary was asking you as we lost connection just about the Notre Dame defense. So surprising to see them give up two 90-plus yard touchdown drives in each of the first two fourth quarters to Ohio State and Marshall. Give me your take. Is there a quick fix? Is there an easy explanation to why this is happening? Uh, kind of like with the offensive line where I said it comes down to making plays. These guys haven't made the game-winning plays. Uh, look at Jordan Patello. He could have made a tackle at the line of scrimmage on Kalan Laborn on the 42-yard run that really, when you look at that drive, I mean, there's half the yardage right there on one play. Laborn gets Marshall inside the 10-yard line, and Marshall scores the go-ahead touchdown a couple plays later. If you stop that play in its tracks, we might be talking about a different outcome. Yeah, it would have been maybe an ugly win for Notre Dame, but it would have been uh, possible for them to win or, or much more possible for them to win that game if Marshall has stopped on that one particular play. And But, I mean, like you said, back-to-back games in which the opponent is able to string together 90-yard drive to kind of cap things or, or take the lead, that's a pretty bad trend if you're Notre Dame. And it, it kind of goes back to what Marcus Freeman has been saying in the last couple of press conferences. It's like, man, if I had an answer as to why this was happening, it wouldn't happen the next time. But it's kind of snowballing in a bad way for Notre Dame. At the end of the day, you just have to make those plays. I don't think there's anything differently Notre Dame has done on those 
on those drives. I think Notre Dame's been pretty consistent in the base packages that they've had. The nickel has looked really good, but on those two drives against Ohio State and Marshall, things just kind of unravel. And I think there's an element of Notre Dame getting in its own head and saying, oh, no, like this, this is the point in the game where, you know, this, it's either going to go one way or the other, and both times they have allowed it to go the wrong direction. So there's a learning curve involved, and right now they're, they're learning the hard way. Notre Dame is absolutely learning the hardest way you could. All right, final question for you, and this is probably a tough one. It's more speculation than anything, but after the game, at least one of the captains was very emotional after losing to Marshall. Jared Patterson, seen slamming his helmet, trying to go in the locker room before singing the alma mater, went back out. He was the first one in the locker room. Not the type of things you want to see from a captain on this football team. He might not have been the only one, but I think he was the most noticeable. Do you have any concerns about this team sticking together when you start to see captains who have invested a lot in this program? I get it. It's a frustrating loss, but I think captains have to handle things a whole lot differently than the rest of the team. Yeah, he let the emotions get the best of him, and Marcus Freeman said that post-game. You can be emotional, but you can't manifest your emotions in that way with 77,000 people watching in the stadium and then a whole lot more potentially seeing some of that at home. You know, it gets out there on social media and the narrative is that Notre Dame is kind of losing the locker room and Marcus Freeman has lost the locker room two games into this season. But I'll try to put some of it into perspective. Notre Dame is in a unique position where there's a lot of guys, especially a fifth-year senior in Jared Patterson who's been to the college football playoff twice, who look at this and say, man, this is our season. It's over. Notre Dame cannot make it to the college football playoff. They can win 10 more games in a row, and I guarantee you a 10-2 Notre Dame team with a loss to Marshall doesn't get into the college football playoff. So you kind of have this sense that everything that they've built in the last nine months since Marcus Freeman was named the head coach and the national championship that they said that they wanted to win, and Isaiah Foskey spurned the NFL draft to come back for this one season to – potentially win it all poof it's over right there with the 26 to 21 loss to Marshall so I think some of that was spilling out for Jared Patterson and I know Notre Dame has 10 more games and the the easy thing to say is you can't look at it that way you've got to go out and beat Cal the following Saturday and string together some wins and beat North Carolina on the road and then you're two and two and you got a whole new season but for some of these guys some of the older guys let's there's only one thing that these guys really were playing for this season, and it's a national championship. They felt like they could be the ones to restore that to Notre Dame, something that hasn't been here in 34 years. And you you lost all of that in one game. And, of course, losing to Ohio State didn't help, but that's a manageable loss. And an 11-1 Notre Dame would have got in with the loss to Ohio State. You couldn't lose to Marshall. They lost to Marshall. And now I, I think that locker room is reeling in a way that it has not in the last five years you know since 2016 and it's going to be very interesting to see how they deal with it because you can say oh my gosh these guys are so experienced and they're going to know what to do but that's not really the case when none of these guys have ever had to go through something like this in their time at Notre Dame. You make a valid point and in today's college football in particular a guy that has been injury prone throughout his college career that could be a first or second round pick at some point you have to wonder do you pull the parachute 
when you have nothing left to play for in college and you have to protect your future. We all know what happened to a pretty good Notre Dame linebacker in a meaningless Fiesta Bowl game a few years ago. It can change your whole life and your football life. So I hate to think about those things, but you kind of brought it up, and there's a couple of guys on this team, including a junior that could be a top-10 pick. You wonder down the line, is it worth the risk by playing meaningless football games? And again, I hate saying that, but we see it across the country nowadays that guys are tapping out early to protect themselves. Exactly. Is Michael Mayer going to want to catch a four-yard drag route across the middle and get laid out by a North Carolina defender or a Syracuse linebacker or somebody on UNLV when that is taking precious time off of his potential lengthy NFL career, that has to slip into your mind. You know, why am I catching passes for an 0-2 Notre Dame team when a year from now I'm going to have millions of dollars and I'm going to keep making millions of dollars if I keep my body healthy and, you know, He's putting it on the line for a team right now that, like I said, is not in the college football com- playoff conversation. They're unranked in the AP poll for the first time since 2017. You have all of these factors making this feel like a completely lost Notre Dame season weighing in on these guys' minds. And sure. they're going to have to make individual decisions and say, is this something that I want to play for? And, and the hope is absolutely they do. They're still putting that gold helmet on. They have 10 more opportunities to go run out there on Saturdays and try to win a football game for the Fighting Irish. But like I said in response to your last question, this is something that none of these guys have ever had to face. Mm -hmm. In the entire time that they've been Fighting Irish football players, they've been accustomed to winning, and they've been accustomed to being there in the end. And at 0-2, they are in danger of not being there in the end. Well, let's hope we don't have that discussion weeks down the line let's let's hope everything works out okay for this football team and Tyler give our listeners a little idea what they should expect if they are a subscriber at blueandgold.com and if they are not maybe one or two stories that might catch their attention they may want to join the family yeah absolutely it's only a dollar to sign up for a year of premium access we still have that deal rolling so 12 months of message board access everything behind a paywall you'll get to read and one of those stories that's going up behind the paywall in the morning is I'm breaking down every single Drew Pine snap from this past game. So mm. it's only 10 or 11 plays, but I'm going in-depth. What happened? What were the wide receivers running? How did the protection hold up? Did Drew Pine make the right decision? Because that's your Notre Dame quarterback going forward. So you're going to want to know what he did last week and what you can expect against Cal. That'll be up in the morning. And then obviously everything else leading into the Cal game and me and my coworker Patrick Engel do an awesome job of just covering the ins and outs of Notre Dame football weekly. So blueandgold.com, we covered Notre Dame football like anybody else. And if you're a fighting Irish fan, even in these trying times, it's the best place to be. Sure. All right. I will talk to you, and I will see you at Notre Dame Stadium Saturday morning at 11 a.m. for another game day sports beat powered by Michelob Ultra. All right. Looking forward to it, Darren. All right, Tyler. Thank you much. Thanks so much for your time. Job well done writing at blueandgold.com. I've enjoyed your work today. All right, I appreciate that. Thanks, Darren. You bet. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.